Hello everyone. Wasn't it wonderful to see our families getting back together again? And a very big congratulations to our Year 5 and 7 kids on your graduation. I want to take this opportunity to thank Joss and Chris for the great job they've done this year in keeping our families and our kids connected in very difficult circumstances. So thank you and well done guys. What an exciting time it is for us here at New Peninsula. I'm sure most of you have heard that we have unanimously voted in our next senior pastor, Paul Crowther. Please keep Paul and his family in your prayers as they prepare to move down to the peninsula and join us as such a special part of our New Peninsula Church family. Well, hasn't it been great to journey together through the book of Hebrews? As we finish this series today, let's commit this message and ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book of Hebrews where we've seen over and over again that Jesus is better than anyone or anything. I pray you will take my words today and use them to speak to our minds and hearts through your spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 13 is the final chapter of Hebrews and again we see the writer uh, bringing exhortations for those who are Christians. I think Julia explained the meaning of exhortation really well when she was running on the spot and jumping up and down and describing an exhortation as it's used here to be uh, like a fitness instructor, instructor in encouraging us to come on, give it all you've got. And then we saw Joss last week uh, impressing us with her running style uh, as she talked about persevering in running our life of faith in Jesus. So I wondered what I could do this week um, that would involve some strenuous physical activity. And I mentioned that at worship planning this week and for some unknown reason the team burst out laughing. And I'm still trying to figure out why the thought of me doing strenuous physical activity during my message was so funny. Anyway, the book of Hebrews has left us in no doubt about why we need to give Jesus all that we've got. He is superior to anyone or anything. The new covenant of Jesus gives us better promises, a better sanctuary and a better sacrifice. Jesus is the exalted Son of God and our great High Priest. The Bible also tells us that Jesus is an indescribable gift and we're going to talk more about that on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But as we prepare to celebrate this wonderful gift of our Lord and Saviour this Christmas, let's get our Bibles out and turn to Hebrews 13 and read about some of the gifts that we can give to Jesus. From verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. 
and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The writer here spells out for us in very practical ways how we're to live for Jesus. And I want to be encouraging each of us as we go through these gifts, uh, which ones God is asking us to give to Jesus and to others this Christmas and throughout the coming year. Is God prompting you to take the next step in loving one another as brothers and sisters? We know the recipients of the book of Hebrews were being persecuted for their faith and encouraged to walk away from Jesus and the, and the way that he says to live. But the writer is urging them to keep their faith strong, remind, to remind each other of the love and the strength that is found in solidarity together. And like any family, keeping on loving each other can be challenging. But with God as our Father and Jesus as our brother, and with the Holy Spirit within us, we have them to help us live lives of love that unite and strengthen and empower each other. You know what? We give Jesus our love when we love one another. When we pray for one another, when we help each other, when we listen, and yes, even when we put up with one another. And let's not forget the impact that has on those around us. Jesus says our love for one another will prove to the world that we are his disciples. Now the second gift that we can give Jesus and others is shown uh, by showing hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. We give Jesus our love when we help those in need, even those we don't know. In the first century, inns were really dangerous and immoral places, and finding hospitality was a challenge, especially for Christians. And so other Christians were really urged to make sure they offered loving hospitality to visitors, especially those who were strangers. Now, we often don't know who the strangers might be that we offer hospitality to. We don't know the plans that God has for them and how those plans may be influenced by our generosity and our hospitality. Such an important part of our generosity and our hearts and our hospitality is uh, to show acceptance and help to those in our community. Uh, and this has always been a focus for us as a church family. And many of those people we will never know. And we've seen a wonderful example of this with our Christmas Hope Appeal where so many families in need have been blessed by your generosity. So what other strangers can we as individuals and a church offer hospitality to this Christmas?
We've been asking for those who'd be happy to welcome an extra person from the church family to share Christmas with you. Is God asking you to be one of those people? To be willing to have someone from the church family that you may not even know to share Christmas with you? As we go on to verse 3, we see another gift that we can give to Jesus and others. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves are suffering. The teaching here is the same as in Matthew 7 where it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. In this time that the Hebrews book was written, Christians were being imprisoned for their faith and badly mistreated. They were also expected to find their own food when they were in prison and they could only get that from relatives and friends. So you can understand other Christians not being too keen to help them in case they were thrown into prison as well. And so the writer of Hebrews is urging them not to forget those who are in prison. Remember those who are suffering. Reach out to those who are being mistreated. And for us, those that we help today, they may not be in prison, but they may well be suffering and mistreated in other ways because of their faith in Jesus. And I wonder if you've ever thought about it like this, because... We are all a part of the body of Christ, then their pain is our pain. Are we brave enough this Christmas to ask God to help us really become aware of the pain and suffering of those who are being persecuted for their faith? Are we willing to ask God to show us how we can help and support them? That may be financially or it may be in other ways, but one thing we can all do is pray for them. We move on to the next gift that we can give to Jesus and also to our husbands and wives in verse 4. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. As you read the account of Genesis 1, you see the words, God saw that it was good. And then when God makes people in his own image as male and female, God looks at everything he's made and says, it is very good. Our male and femaleness is a beautiful creation of God. Therefore, the sexual relationship between a married couple is to be kept honoured and to be kept pure. To do that, we need to love our spouse and we need to remain faithful to them. God says very clearly in verse 4 that he will judge the sexually immoral and idolatrous. In the Old Testament, we see Samson, who was a strong man, fully dedicated to God from birth. But he lost his strength and his sight after messing with Delilah. And then we see David, a man after God's own heart and one of Israel's greatest kings. And he lost his sons after messing with Bathsheba 
Neither of them lost their salvation, but their families and their lives were scarred by sexual immorality. Please don't let that happen to you. If you're struggling in this area, get help before your life, the life of your spouse and and your marriage and your children is scarred. The author of Hebrews distinguishes between adultery and sexual immorality. And sexual immorality is, is a more general, uh, it's more general in nature and it includes things like pornography and sexual relationships uh, before marriage and outside of marriage, etc, etc. And again, I want to say to you, if you're struggling in these areas, the good news is you don't have to go it alone. Talk to Dave Underhill. Uh, talk to Ian Smith. Talk to me. Talk to one of the elders or another Christian that you trust. You see, as you admit your struggle to others, they will support you and pray with you. And as you sincerely ask God for forgiveness, he will bring healing and restoration. Jesus died on the cross for all our sins and sometimes we think these sort of sins can't be forgiven. But Jesus can deliver us from any sin. God assures us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we go to verse 5 and 6, we come to the love of money. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? As we've seen all throughout Hebrews, the author relates the Old Testament and the New Testament to each other. The same God who spoke in former times has now revealed himself fully and finally in his Son. And we see this in verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews, where we see Deuteronomy 31 and Psalm 118 are quoted to confirm God's unfailing help to keep us from financial fear. The reality is the love of money can easily become idolatry and take our fake focus away from Jesus. The other thing that drives some of us to accumulate things and to focus on possessions is fear. I know this is something I need to continually commit to God. Growing up in a very poor family, I sometimes still have this feeling that I might run out or, or there may not be enough. And if that's you as well, you and I need to have faith in Jesus when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, that is, that is all our needs, will be added to us as well. So the precious promise of God repeated again from the Old Testament, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, this next gift is an interesting one. 
It's the gift we give to Jesus as we remember, imitate, submit and pray for our leaders. Listen to what it says in these verses. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. Leaders must give an account to God for their leadership. (laughs) Believe you me, that awareness really humbles me. I'll be the first to put up my hand and say leaders are not perfect. The question is, how can you, as our church family, show support to your less than perfect leaders? Well, these verses in Hebrews tell us. They say, firstly, to remember your leaders and to imitate their faith. Now, this remembering isn't like trying to remember the name of the cousin who married your distant aunt related to your great-grandmother. It's not that sort of remembering. It's remembering those leaders in the past and in the present who've had a strong spiritual impact on you and on others. And the impact is to result with us imitating their faith. Now, when you imitate your leaders, it can be a great spiritual blessing until it isn't. Some leaders are memorable, but for all the wrong reasons. So I guess this is the elephant in the room, isn't it? Which leaders do we imitate? Closely aligned with that is another question to leaders. Is the memory of your faith worth imitating? Thankfully, direction and discernment to help answer these questions is found in verses 8 to 16. In these verses, we have a series of teachings, many of which have been covered in our other messages in our series of Hebrews. So we see the writer once again urging these persecuted Christians not to return to the practices of Judaism, but to stay strong in their faith for Jesus. He's reminding them again of the central theme of Hebrews, that Jesus is God's exalted son and high priest, providing full cleansing from all sin and open access to God. Now, because the teachings in verses 8 to 16 are in the middle of the commands regarding leaders, we can conclude that there's a connection there. Let's have a look at how this works. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Here the writer is expressing a profound truth that only a changeless high priest could be spiritually acceptable to God. Jesus' consistency, his divinity, his sovereignty, these truths are being spoken here in the context of leadership and following leaders. 
You see, the exhortation to imitate leaders isn't one we follow because of the inherent goodness or capacity of a leader. It's a call to imitate and follow faithful leaders who are living in response to a faithful Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today and forever. When Jesus is the constant in the lives of leaders, that consistency is evident. As Paul the Apostle said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Verse 9 warns us, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And when teachers are blown away by all kinds of strange teachings, then the church will be blown along with them. And the only way for this not to happen is for Jesus and the truth of his word to be the constant in the lives of leaders and teachers. And, you know, this isn't about someone having the greatest knowledge of scripture. I mean, the Pharisees had the greatest knowledge of scripture of all and Jesus constantly questioned their leadership. So knowledge alone, although that's important, isn't what stops people being carried along by strange teaching. It's actually wisdom. And wisdom comes not only when we read the word, but when we apply what it says in our lives every day. Wisdom is lived Christianity that is so evident that everyone can see it. And this wisdom comes through knowing that it is God speaking to us through his word. And and so the word is a place of relationship and growth and transformation. God's word is also a place of prayer, a place to listen, a place to respond, to repent and to submit to serving our God. The next gift we can give leaders is one I know we all really need. Verse 18 says to pray for us. Plead with God on our behalf. Ask him to keep us with a clear conscience and honourable. Believe me, we are well aware that we can't do that without the Lord's help. We know that we are vulnerable to attacks from Satan. And Satan knows that if he can get a leader in a church to fall, he can bring down a lot of other people as well. Please pray for us as we pray for you. This is a beautiful gift that you give to Jesus and to us. Because the thing is, as, as we care for you, and you care for us, everyone benefits. The whole church grows. People's lives are transformed and God is glorified. We do think a lot about gifts for others at Christmas and that's absolutely fine. But I encourage all of us to focus most of all on what we can give to Jesus. One of the billion things I love about God 
is that he knows us all individually and he knows where we're at in our walk with him. And I reckon there's something that you've heard from God's word today and you just know that it's for you. So what is it? Is God asking you this Christmas and in the year to come to give to him and others the gift of focusing more on loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is it showing hospitality? Maybe willing to have someone you don't know from our church family to share Christmas with you this year? Or is it caring more for those who are suffering and mistreated? Or is it doing something about your sexual sin? Is it prioritising Jesus instead of money and possessions and trusting him to provide? Is it supporting and praying for your leaders? Whatever God has challenged you with today, know that he is waiting and willing to give you the courage, the strength and the power to begin taking those first steps. I can't think of a better way to finish our Hebrew series than by echoing the writer as he closes with this benediction. Let's pray. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Grace be with you all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our final song really sums up the message of the book of Hebrews. So come on, get up on your feet, get your voices and your actions ready to worship Jesus who is our number one. Bless you, everyone.